Chapter Eight, Episode Three of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the Third Among the Lions. Chapter Eight Tarascon Again. Midday has come. The Zouave had her steam up, ready to go. Upon the balcony of the Valentin Café, high above, the officers were levelling telescopes, and with the colonel at their head, looking at the lucky little craft that was going back to France. This is the main distraction of the staff. On the lower level the roads glittered. The old Turkish cannon breeches, stuck up along the waterside, blazed in the sun. The passengers hurried. Biscre and Mahonet piled their luggage up in the wherries. Tartarin of Tarascon had no luggage. Here he comes, down the Rue de la Marine, through the little market, full of bananas and melons, accompanied by his friend Barbassou. The hapless Tarasconian left on the Moorish strand his gun-cases and his illusions, and now he had to sail for Tarascon with his hands in his otherwise empty pockets. He had barely leaped into the captain's cutter, before a breathless beast slid down from the heights of the square and galloped towards him. It was the faithful camel, who had been hunting after his master in Algiers during the last four-and-twenty hours. On seeing him, Tartarin changed countenance, and feigned not to know him, but the camel was not going to be put off. He scampered along the quay, he whinnied for his friend, and regarded him with affection. "'Take me away!' his sad eye seemed to say. "'Take me away in your ship, far, far from this sham Arabia, this ridiculous land of the East, full of locomotives and stage-coaches, where a camel is so sorely out of keeping that I do not know what will become of me. You are the last real Turk, and I am the last camel. Do not let us part, O oh, my Tartarin!' "'Is that camel yours?' the captain inquired. "'Not a bit of it,' replied Tartarin who shuddered at the idea of entering Tarascon with that ridiculous escort, and impudently denying the companion of his misfortunes, he spurned the Algerian soil with his foot, and gave the cutter the shoving-off start. The camel sniffed of the water, extended its neck, cracked its joints, and jumping in behind the rowboat at haphazard, he swam towards the Zouave with his humpback floating like a bladder, and his long neck projecting over the wave like the beak of a galley. Cutter and Camel came alongside the mail-steamer together. "'This dromedary regularly cuts me up,' observed Captain Barbassou, quite affected. "'I've a good mind to take him aboard and make a present of him to the zoological gardens at Marseilles.' And so they hauled up the Camel with many blocks and tackles upon the deck, being increased in weight by the brine, and the Zouave started. Tartarin spent the two days of the crossing by himself in his stateroom, not because the sea was rough, or that the red fez had too much to suffer, but because the deuced camel, as soon as his master appeared above decks, showed him the most preposterous attentions. You never did see a camel make such an exhibition of a man as this. From hour to hour, through the cabin portholes, when he stuck out his nose now and then, Tartarin saw the Algerian blue sky pale away, until one morning, in a silvery fog, he heard with delight Marseilles bells ringing out. The Zouave had arrived and cast anchor. 
Our man, having no luggage, got off without saying anything, hastily slipped through Marseilles for fear he was still pursued by the camel, and never breathed till he was in a third-class carriage making for Tarascon. Deceptive security! Hardly were they two leagues from the city before every head was stuck out of window. There were outcries and astonishment. Tartarin looked in his turn, and what did he describe? The camel, reader, the inevitable camel, racing along the line behind the train, and keeping up with it. The dismayed Tartarin drew back and shut his eyes. After this disastrous expedition of his he had reckoned on slipping into his house incognito. But the presence of this burdensome quadruped rendered the thing impossible. What kind of a triumphal entry would he make? Good heavens! Not a sou, not a lion, nothing to show for it save a camel. Tarascon! Tarascon! He was obliged to get down. Oh, amazement! Scarcely had the hero's red fez popped out of the doorway before a loud shout of, Tartarin forever! made the glazed roof of the railway station tremble. Long life to Tartarin, the lion-slayer! And out burst the windings of horns and choruses of the local musical societies. Tartarin felt death had come. He believed in a hoax. But no, all Tarascon was there, waving their hats, all of the same way of thinking. Behold the brave Commandant Bravida, Costa Calde the armourer, the chief judge, the chemist, and the whole noble corps of cap-poppers, who pressed around their leader and carried him in triumph, out through the passages. Singular effects of the mirage! The hide of the blind lion sent to Bravida was the cause of all this riot. With that humble fur exhibited in the club-room, the Tarasconians, and at the back of them the whole south of France, had grown exalted. The semaphore newspaper had spoken of it. A drama had been invented. It was not merely a solitary lion which Tartarin had slain, but ten, nay twenty, pooh, a herd of lions had been made marmalade of. Hence, on disembarking at Marseilles, Tartarin was already celebrated without being aware of it and an enthusiastic telegram had gone on before him by two hours to his native place. But what capped the climax of the popular gladness was to see a fancifully shaped animal, covered with foam and dust, appear behind the hero and stumble down the station stairs. Tarascon, for an instant, believed that its dragon was come again. Tartarin set his fellow-citizens at ease. "'This is my camel,' he said already feeling the influence of the splendid son of Tarascon, which makes people tell bouncers unwittingly, he added, as he fondled the camel's hump, "'It is a noble beast. It saw me kill all my lions.' Whereupon he familiarly took the arm of the commandant, who was red with pleasure, and followed by his camel, surrounded by the cap-hunters, acclaimed by all the population, he placidly proceeded towards the Baobab villa, and on the march thus commenced the account of his mighty hunting. Once upon an evening, you are to imagine that, out in the depths of the Sahara. End of chapter 8 of episode 3 End of episode the third End of Tartarin de Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet